Hello and welcome to The Lost Button, the podcast for young people figuring out their future life and career. I'm Liz. And I'm Connor. And we're here to help you navigate all the big decisions you have to make about your future and create a path that's right for you. Each episode, we're going to tackle some of the biggest questions and challenges Gen Z are facing about their future, from finding a job you're passionate about to managing stress and burnout. Liz, I am so excited to be back. We launched our podcast last week. How exciting. I was so excited. I literally had the best day last Wednesday because I'd, we we just have been talking to ourselves almost yeah, <laughs> to true. record all those episodes and having no idea whether people would actually listen to it. it. So it was really exciting to see that people did and that you enjoyed it. I think the average um, number of downloads for a podcast and its launch like is 17 like... 17 or something. 17, 17. We smashed it, yeah, like got a lot more hundreds. So super exciting. Thank yes. you, thank you for yeah stopping us from just talking to ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely, and we're really excited to be back for another episode today. The topic is burnout, Liz. Mm, I think it's something I know is super personal for both of us, and we've gone through it many times. <laughs> Absolutely, and so, it's very topical as well. Yes, because we've had the Olympics going on. And for those that haven't been watching, the arguably greatest of all time gymnast from the US, Simone Biles, has pulled out of her event due to mental health reasons. Yes, it's been it's happened a few times in sport lately and obviously it's been quite controversial. But I think it's such an important idea because yeah, we're actually acknowledging the fact that your mental health is valuable. Yes. <laughs> that you should look after it. That, you know, a physical injury is not the only way that you can injure yourself. And I think that's super important. Yeah. And, you know, there was a bit of backlash to it as well. But really, we want to shine a light on burnout in today's episode. And that brings us to our first segment, which is Would You Rather? We love to do the Would You Rather segment. I know you in particular <laughs> enjoy this segment, Liz. But talking about burnout and it being a serious issue, it can actually cause death. On that note, would you rather know when you're going to die or how you're going to die? <laughs> this one's a no-brainer for me. I definitely want to know when. When, okay. Yeah. Like the date and time, like you're ready for it. Because if you knew how, like say you were like, it's going to be a car crash. Every mm. time you get in the car, you would just be paranoid so for paranoid. your whole life because you'd be like, is, the, is this the last car ride? Is this, is this it? So I'd rather live my life to the fullest. Yeah, it's a question I ask people in our workshops a lot is right. what would you do if you had three years left to live? Yeah, so that, that's my mindset. Well said. But the topic isn't quite that dire. Good. But it is having a lot of impact, especially on young people. And we know from studies uh, that burnout is affecting millennials at a higher than average rate compared to the general population. And really, it's also affecting Gen Z a lot. Yeah, definitely. I think obviously this was an issue before COVID, right? And and since COVID has happened, I can't imagine like what these statistics would now be because I think for so many young people across the world, a lot of the reasons why burnout happens have been exacerbated, not being able to have boundaries potentially between your work and your school and your family and friends, not being able to have that balance. So it's it's something that I think a lot of people are going through right now. Everything's blurred, right? You know, before you could go to office, 
do your work, come home, have, you know, alone time, family time. But another reason that burnout happens a lot is that people are doing jobs they hate mm. and they're doing these jobs without any purpose. So that's what we're here to share today. Some strategies for our listeners to know what burnout is, how to actually avoid it if you haven't experienced it before, and then how to overcome it if you have experienced it. So Liz, what would you define as burnout and why does it happen so frequently? I think burnout looks different for everybody and that's really an important part of this discussion is that what yeah burnout is for you is maybe very different to me and it's why you need to become more self-aware to recognize when you're going through it or when it might happen for you. It's essentially though when you're just absolutely exhausted and drained maybe both physically and mentally it has a tendency to sort of come from overworking yourself at whatever you're doing. I mean when you think of the actual idea of a burnout right like a car burnout Mm. like (laughs) it's not a really pleasant sort of thing to go through for yourself when, when you think about it that way. So I think a big reason why it's a problem for young people like we've said is all of those boundaries that maybe traditionally helped us to be more balanced or manage our stress levels and anxieties have really become very blurred. And I know I've certainly experienced that when I was living like at a, a college and my work, my friends, my family, like not my family. <laughs> the only thing that wasn't at the college basically was was my family. And those lines became really blurred. So when I was stressed about one thing, I'd suddenly be stressed about everything. And I think social media has definitely exacerbated that too in that you, you're always on, right? You're mm. never turned off even when you're at home. Yeah, There's it's very hard to anyway. Yes, very mm. difficult to. And to actually manage your time and manage yourself better is going against the grain like it's going against the norm people kind of expect you to be on always right always there's always something to do something that you could be working on or improving or someone you could be seeing and I think that's just led to a lot of overwhelm yeah I think what you said can be summarized in two areas I think there's the social pressures and societal pressures I know for a lot of young people I've spoken to there's so much pressure to be successful and to achieving the same level of success as your friends because you're sort of measuring yourself up against them. So that's definitely one part. And I think the other part is society. So and we've established before that we live in a society and what that means is that there is this expectation that we will follow the capitalist model of working, that we will get like, you know, in many cases people want a high paying job and to work extreme hours. In fact, those extreme hours and those extreme jobs are glorified the most, Mm, right? Definitely burnout. And I think burnout is like a badge of honor that people wear. Mm. It's like, oh my God, I'm so tired. (laughs) And if you're not- I've worked a hundred hours this week. What have you worked? Yes. And I even catch myself doing that sometimes and, you know, feeling guilty that that I'm not exhausted enough or that I took a day off or that I've been resting. Like it's, it's not something that we value as a society. And it means it's really difficult to prioritize it. You've got to be really purposeful. Mm. to do it tell me a little bit what's been your experience with burnout and how did you sort of get through that yeah like I said everyone experiences burnout differently for me there's been a couple key moments over the last few years when I have been burnt out one which I've touched on a little bit is is how when I graduated from high school that was probably the first time it was actually just before my waste exams so I'd worked super hard all of year 12 put so much time and energy into studying and then the week before my exams I was just exhausted I had to basically sleep for an hour and then study for an hour and then sleep for an hour and study for an hour because I just 
I had no energy and like most young women it ended up being that I had no iron <laughs> my iron right, levels yes. were super low but it was just ridiculous like I'd worked so much over the two years leading up to it and then I basically hadn't looked after myself at that point and got burnt out from it. And then the year after I finished school, just all of these physical kind of health issues started coming up. At the time, I didn't know that was burnout. I didn't have a word for it. I didn't realise that that was what was going on. What I recognised was that as soon as I slowed down, I'd kept up, you know, this momentum and this pressure and this adrenaline. And as soon as I stopped, my body just kind of stopped as well and so for me it all kind of expressed itself in terms of food and eating like I would just feel sick no matter what I ate I was having all of these like issues with food that didn't really make sense like GPs and doctors couldn't really understand what was going on and it was mentally like and emotionally exhausting because I knew how I had once been and then I suddenly was very unhealthy and very unwell and being able to reconcile like that was really difficult because I couldn't enjoy what everyone was sort of saying was like the best time of your life right like you mm. finished school and mm. like I was having to sleep like 10 hours a night you know yeah, yeah so that was one for me um, but what about you? What does burnout look like for you? Yeah, well, I think for me in first year, I felt like I was invincible. I was doing so many things. Like I was doing full-time uni. I was working almost full-time hours. I was involved in three different committees in the executive role. And it just got to the point, end of second semester of my first year, I ended up in hospital. So I was completely exhausted and burnt out and... I just didn't give myself a break for a year, basically. And then so I recovered from that in second year. And then at the start of third year, something similar happened. So I ended up in hospital again. And I just had to have a real like, you know, not something I've really shared with a lot of people, Mm. but I want to share it in this podcast because I think there's a lot of people in that start of uni undergrad and they're probably not in touch with their emotions and really how they're feeling. And so if you are, you know, feeling like you're going to burn out, you really have to set boundaries and limit what you do for a bit because it's not worth it. No, and I find that it creeps up on me. And I think this is probably four four or five years ago since that Mm. first happened for me. Yep, same. And it's happened many times since then. And each and every time I would abandon my routine, I would abandon those boundaries that we touched on that is so important. I would stop eating what I knew I needed to eat to feel well and healthy. And it would be okay for a while, like maybe like a month or maybe two months. I could kind of do it and I could like take on all these commitments and see all these people and eat unhealthily and not sleep. And I'd feel good. I'd be like, whatever, just keep pushing, keep going. It's great. And then one day it would just hit me and I would physically, I'd be exhausted or really sick. And I would keep doing that. And it just got to a point where I was like, like I, I just it's can't. It's a vicious cycle. It's, it's a horrible cycle. And I think often, you know, the environment I was in wasn't helping that, whether it was because I had friends that didn't understand or, but I, I just know that I felt so much shame often in those times when I had to say to people, no, like I can't do that. Like, mm. I, you know, no, I'm staying at home this yeah. weekend. Yeah. No, I'm not saying yes to that commitment. Or when they, people ask you, how, how are you? And it's like the most horrible question because you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm terrible. Yeah, but you can't say that. Yeah, exactly. because we, you can't say that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's really powerful to hear you share that because a lot of people experience it super common. Obviously, I mentioned how mm. I have. So it's really good. I think in our generation, people are more open to talk about 
you know what they're actually going through with burnout and to actually face it so just to summarize you know, like those two stories i think the biggest takeaway for those listening is you do have to learn how to say no and set boundaries and you have to understand that you will let people down sometimes definitely um, because you can't be everything to everyone yes so what advice do you have for our listeners about how to get over burnout and sort of get back to a healthy state I think a great place to start is to do a bit of an audit mm-hmm. <laughs> of one, yourself, like how you're feeling currently. Secondly, like your environment and the systems that you're in. Do you have a routine? Do you actually have any balance in your life? Do you do something every day that is just for you, that isn't about like achieving or growing or being productive, that's just something that makes you feel good? And then what's the change that happens from when you you maybe have that routine and you feel balanced to then the opposite and suddenly being like burnt out and super reactive and exhausted and kind of if you can kind of recognize that pattern in yourself certainly for me it ended up being a pattern then you can kind of work to prevent that and I think the other side of that is when you know you have burnt out potentially is really thinking about your boundaries thinking about that in terms of your physical boundaries like like I said when I was at college for example my desk my bed my kitchen my whole house was one room mm-hmm. right and it was really connected so interconnected so I literally it would get to the point where I realized that I was sleeping on the the side of my bed that was closest to the wall because and I could only face the wall this sounds crazy but like this was so if I was facing the door I would I wouldn't be able to turn off and I wouldn't be able to switch off and sleep because in my brain was like that's That's the work. work side that's turned on Mm -hmm. so it got to the point when I realized that I was like oh my god like that's That's crazy yeah Yeah. and so I actually I was seeing a psychologist at that time and he said you know can you like put something between your bed and that door can you like reposition your bed so you're not facing your desk because when I was facing my desk like I would actually realize that I would be more stressed and, and anxious so yeah that sounds that's a bit extreme but actually doing it's it not extreme though at all <laughs> and it's really like it's not and but everyone thinks their own experience is yeah. like unusual so yeah my one bit of advice as well is to as you said be self-aware like understand why you act that way a lot of the time it's just those social pressures of trying to keep up with people and if you're actually more in touch with yourself you can define success on your own terms and you can start living more for yourself which is what I've worked on and it's just a much better way to be yeah and and you know unsubscribe to the people the friends and the pressures that are making you feel like you can't just look after yourself for example I think it's easy to obviously super easy to compare ourselves to everybody and everything and when you do that just make sure you always have that voice in the back of your head that says like they don't have it all there's always a sacrifice or a they're probably close to burnout <laughs> if they do have it all then they're, they're gonna burn out at some point i really love this analogy of the oxygen mask in the plane mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. where you put it on yourself before you put it on anyone else and actually thinking about there is value in prioritizing your health and your well-being before you do anything else in your life and no one else is going to prioritize that you've got to do it for yourself spot on Liz now it's time for the lost and found even though being lost is a problem that young people across the world are facing it can be easy to feel like you're the only one 
Each episode will bring a young person on the show to share their story and the challenges they're facing about their future. Today's guest is 20-year-old Bella, self-described slashy. Thank you so much for joining us today, Bella. We're really excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and also your journey through life after school? Yeah, of course. So I'm 20 years old. I'm currently studying political science, international relations and management at university. And I do quite a bit outside of my studies. I'm a public relations and marketing assistant and a copywriter. I tutor high school kids and I work for a couple of um, non-for-profit organisations, namely UN Youth Australia and the United Macedonian Diaspora. So a lot of what I do is very much driven by kind of this interconnected nature of people, places, cultures, languages, history, art, architecture and everything that falls in between and that's pretty much been my outlook uh, since year 10-11 and in the years since. I finished my year 12 studies and was pretty confident that the academic pathway was for me so um, it was really clear in like just wanting to continue the learning process, I guess. I finished year 12 and I had this amazing opportunity to spend a month traveling around Europe with UN Youth Australia. And uh, it was called the Young Diplomats Tour. And for me, that pretty much reaffirmed that the choices that I had made for my tertiary studies was the right one, which I think is quite rare. Very much one of those, I went to Europe and it changed me kind <laughs> of kind of life moments. So I should definitely make that my Instagram bio. Yeah, so that's kind of where the journey began. And have really just immersed myself in all things, yeah, international relations, multiculturalism in the years since. It's been a lot of work, a lot of stress, a lot of good food and good people. Unfortunately, nowhere near enough traveling, though that is the one thing that this pandemic has um, has taken from me. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit more about, though, like why, where, where did all of those, you know, passions and curiosities kind of come from for you because it sounds like there's a lot going on there there is a lot going on and that's um I get that reaction quite a bit when people are like what do you do and I'm like to what extent do I give an answer to this question kind of thing I think going back kind of very beginning I'm um some first generation Australian to two Macedonian parents I'm born and raised here in Australia and I think for me that's definitely meant that I've always I've always had kind of this privilege of looking at the world quite extensively beyond just kind of my local or national community. Uh, Part of that is having family and friends overseas and um, traveling all over the place and really just developing an appreciation for that. And both of my parents are really connected to their culture and I had a set of grandparents here as well. And so the way I like to put it is kind of like a foot in each in each world where like English is my dominant language now, but it's my second language. I learned Macedonian first as a kid. And so I've always, yeah, always really been passionate about learning learning more about where my family is kind of from and that that in turn kind of facilitates an interest in looking at, well, where do other people come from? What are their stories and their backgrounds and all of that kind of stuff? When I was in year 10, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So the subjects that I kind of picked were a real 50-50 split between humanities and sciences. And so even then, <laughs> kind of all over the place. But in year 11, I had the absolute incredible um, opportunity and experience to do a summer school course at Oxford Royal. And that was two weeks weeks in the, probably the most beautiful city I've ever been in. I absolutely fell in love with the place and it was my first time traveling without family and um, with school friends and I think that in and of itself was an incredible um, kind of taster at the life that I wanted to live and the career that I wanted to have and 
kind of coming off of that plane trip, I was like, my heart was aching. I was like, I want to I want to go back. I want to keep kind of learning more about these things and meeting people from quite literally every walk of life. There was so many people from different nationalities um, under one roof and just like all of us learning more about each other and kind of what we wanted to do in our lives. It was an incredible experience and having that so early on, I think it's, um, you know, in any other context, it would have been something that I would have done after school, not during. And so that really kind of set me on a path of where do I want to be? What do I want to focus on in my senior school studies? And kind of what kinds of people and networks do I need to start getting to become familiar with as to like what kind of direction that I want to take after school? Here I am on the on the tail end of my undergraduate degree and everything I do is kind of with this love of yeah, meeting people and learning more about anything and everything that the world has to offer. And I have this absolute love of storytelling. I think looking back on it in retrospect, a lot of it definitely comes from family. And a lot of it's just been these these experiences that have really shaped me over the years and yeah, motivated me to want to do this for the rest of my life. Wow. I, I'm the thing that strikes me so about your story is like one, you know a lot about yourself <laughs> and kind of it sounds like that process of figure out what you want to do like that that that's been something that's taken up a lot of your brain space and you've been quite absolutely strategic about it yeah something that I took away from that as well was you have a real deep curiosity for the world and something that links to that is that curiosity is the startup scene and innovation so I know that you've been quite involved in the innovation scene could you tell me a bit about the startup you've been working on yeah, so kind of early days origins with my um, passion and curiosity for, for innovation and entrepreneurship. When I was in year nine, homework that we had in my science class was to enter this competition called Little Big Idea run by Origin Energy. And it was just, yeah, it was a homework task. I kind of didn't think anything too big of it at the time. Uh, but it ended up with me flying to Sydney with my family as a finalist with this kind of concept in terms of like sustainability and um, water energy in particular and you know Australia is a kind of very dry climate and yeah so that was a long time ago now but definitely realised then just how much I just loved being creative and solving problems and I was really privileged to to get another shot at it in my university studies and so I ended up doing a um, it was kind of like an innovation unit at my university where I had the opportunity to spend 12 weeks working on something that I was really passionate about rather than necessarily doing like another four credit internship or working on someone else's vision mission passion and dream and so approaching that I was kind of torn between wanting to do a project looking at like uh, educational accessibility and um, health and accessibility and kind of this huge overarching concept of mental and physical health so I ended up going for the latter and it ended up being uh, probably one of the best experiences of my undergraduate degree thus far at least I met an incredible bunch of people and really got to know more about about the issue and journey. And in, in short, I suppose what it is, is it's a concept looking at generational burnout and how drastically burnout impacts this 18 to 25 age bracket in particular now more than ever. And kind of having this background of doing international relations, you know, you get quite familiar with history and um, in, in business and that kind of stuff. And really kind of looking at from the dawn of the Industrial Revolution onwards, our generation is burning out faster than ever and there is more kind of demand on us than ever before 
And part of that is linked to things like these really high expectations that come with social media and, you know, this this sense that we are constantly switched on. There is this 24-hour cycle of productivity as if we are kind of news on television. There is always something to do, something to tell, something to achieve. There's a lot of guilt associated now with not being productive and not really understanding how to take adequate rest and breaks for yourself. And I'm as guilty of that as anyone. I've just come off of a university break and in retrospect, I'm not sure I actually had a break. It was a very productive one, um, but I don't think that's the point. I think part of that is definitely a, a personality trait and how I am as a, yeah, as a as a person, as a worker. And part of that is also this expectation that that's what we're supposed to do. I've thought this way for kind of a long time and the, the issue kind of began with this way of thinking definitely in year 12 where I started experiencing burnout probably around my mock exams in the lead up to my, my final exams and that kind of devastation that comes with realising that you've You've spent probably six years or at least two working really hard towards something. And then when the time comes to perform really well, you are exhausted. You are no longer motivated to do anything to to put forward the work that you need to kind of get yourself over that finish line. And, you know, finished year 12 and took a couple months off before university started. And then by the end of first year uni... For context as well, I have um, I have like pre-existing chronic pain conditions, and so for me, like as much as I love working, it um, it does really take an impact kind of on my my pain levels. But um, towards the end of my second semester in my first year, I happened to get sick, and it was just a kind of a common cold. But because I didn't allow myself any time to rest and to look after myself and, you know, get the the nutrition and the sleep and the exercise and the vitamin D and all of those good things that mean you recover a lot quicker from the simplest of things. I pushed myself way too hard. And so by the time I kind of realised that things were bad and that my pain levels were at a point where it was like, it was getting ridiculous and it was kind of a negligence and a lack of responsibility of myself you know I wouldn't wouldn't ever encourage anyone to work that hard but for some reason the rules always stop when they apply to you and so my final exams for that semester came around and I was exhausted beyond belief in a state that was like a lot worse than um, when I had my final year 12 exams and I don't think I realized the extent to which I'd overdone it until my birthday came around I'm um, culturally and in my family and as a person birthdays are a really big deal to us and I kind of realised that I just like didn't care. I didn't have the energy to care about something that had pretty much defined that part of the year every year for the years prior for me. And I think that really freaked me out a lot more than realising I was exhausted for work or academic performance. And so that very long-winded explanation um, to kind of contextualise set me up with, with a real health journey ahead of me it took me a while probably a year to kind of get myself into a point where I felt happy and healthy and I felt my age I think the issue that I wasn't sure of at the time was is this a me problem or is this something that's affecting others is it affecting my my cohort my friends my colleagues our generation and our society and that really motivated me to do a bit more research and to start this project called well done which basically looks at the exacerbated rates of generational burnout basically from kind of this like year 10 to undergraduate student um, age group in particular before you've even entered the full-time workforce and to really understand what are the the cultural and the institutional factors that that are impacting this 
thing that we've now deemed to be our new normal and why is that the case? Yeah, it was it was a bit confronting, I think, having a lot of conversations with very close friends and kind of um, the common thread was no one's ever asked me about this before. I didn't realise that um, like this was not the right way to kind of handle things or that mental health can kind of seep so drastically into physical health and wellbeing as well and what that kind of means. It ended up being... Um, yeah, quite a quite a drastic change for for those involved in my life, and yeah, kind of been working on that project since to to raise awareness for it and to look at how we can take the onus for burnout from a personal responsibility to a cultural institutional kind of perspective on it as well. What has sort of helped you to be in a place of feeling more found or yeah? Yeah, I think that's the um, kind of the interesting thing. If I you know if I said to kind of colleagues that don't know me well enough to know my um, my experiences with <clears throat> with health and well-being, no one would have guessed that I'd be doing a podcast about that. Like I'm a very avid um, advocate for it. But um, yeah, the assumptions definitely would have been, oh, it's a work thing or it's about something else she's doing. I think part of that is actually the problem. We are not taking anywhere near enough time to understand people beyond sort of their the capacities for work and achievement and like all of those things amaz- are amazing and like you celebrate everyone on LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter and everything else and we are all so proud of one another for reaching all of these big goals but we we don't really take time to celebrate I suppose you know getting up off the floor after a really bad day and picking yourself up and doing it again being a like a higher achiever kind of by nature always pushing myself a lot in all of the things I do there is no precedent for talking about the things that you're not good at or when you're not doing well there is still um, a great shame and stigma about it it's um it's very much considered kind of a reflection of of who you are as a person rather than kind of the experiences of the world or the pressure that the world puts on you to do things and so for me a big thing in the beginning was just learning to talk about it and learning not to be so ashamed and embarrassed by by my health issues by my experiences by the fact that I wasn't coping and that you know I had taken on more than I could manage and that I didn't really know who I was supposed to be talking to, what kind of resources my institutions that I was involved in had to actually aid me in those circumstances. And like, even then I was still more concerned with helping others than helping myself. And I think that's like a huge cultural shift that needs to occur. And I think like, it's definitely exacerbated in younger women, in particular from my experiences, that um, very like empathetic, kind, compassionate nature that people often very much struggle to put back on themselves and so yeah talking and communicating was a big thing in the beginning and learning how to reach out for help and I think like that was such a stepping stone in taking that pressure off of always needing to be switched on and doing really well and yeah just like that general kindness towards self and prioritizing things that were for me in a way that wasn't things that are for my career. You know, am I getting eight or nine hours sleep rather than five? Am I eating the right things? Am I doing all of the things that I'd be telling anyone else to do if they weren't feeling well? And so that's definitely been a big thing, having like really open communication with um, with family and friends and actually utilising the support network for, for these kinds of things in life. You know, that's what friends and family are for. And if you can't open up, um, you can't expect to receive help as much as um you know as much as we kind of learn to put on this brave face people can't read your mind and sometimes if if you want help you genuinely just need to ask for it and people people will be there for you if they have the capacity to also just like learning how to establish boundaries 
and learning how to set boundaries with myself as to just because I have free time or a free spot in my calendar does not mean that I need to fill it with something. And that's applied to how many commitments I take on, but also like, do I have the capacity to socialize today? Or do I need to just like sit at home, have a cup of tea and paint and like put some records on and just like be by myself for a little bit. And I think like a lot of that is a journey of learning to respect yourself in the same way that you do everyone else. And really just, yeah, learning as much as you need to about, you know, about like nutritional health and sleep and like all of these kinds of things that are so underrated. But particularly like in my instance where like inflammation is a really big thing, if you don't understand kind of the base root of all of these issues, being reactive is nowhere near as effective as being proactive and I think that's definitely a lesson to take for life for anything but they've yeah they've definitely been the big key takeaways that I think better to learn now in my early 20s than when you know health conditions get a lot harder to kind of reverse back at a later age. Having been through that journey what does success look like to you now? This is a really interesting one for me it's kind of different with every commitment I sort of have in my life I think above all all else in kind of an overarching theme success for me would look like being in a position where I do what I love every day where I'm meeting people who are passionate and open-minded and kind and empathetic and you know really building myself up around this like community of people who you know may be very very different to me but who kind of have have similar values and a mindset and I think part of what I've learned with all of the work that I do, how, like it being so so diverse, I've worked in like construction and interior design industries and I've worked in like international relations and it's um it's a pretty big step from one to the other and the skills are definitely transferable, but so is kind of the satisfaction of success and learning that you can do all of these different things. And so I think what has changed for me the older I've gotten is realising that um, success is not necessarily a, a job title or um, a level in an office or working in a certain country or a space necessarily, but um, I've become a lot more concerned with looking at how do I define success by like the people that I surround myself with, how I feel about myself at the end of the day. I could be achieving all of these goals, but if I don't know how to be happy and you know be mindful that I may have worked three years for something and then I'll achieve it, and actually being able to appreciate that rather than being like, okay, what's next on the to-do list? What do I need to, like, what's the next target that I need to meet? So I think on a very um, interlinked personal and professional level, it will be, success for me will be reaching a point where I am like above all grateful for the things that I have and the person that I am and also mindful that what I've done is is enough. And I think reaching that point will be less a matter of like what position am I in but more like am I actually satisfied and content with the kind of the path that I've laid out for myself do I feel that I've left a legacy that is inspiring of of integrity of of pursuing things that you love because you love them not because someone expects you to and yeah I'm not entirely sure what it'll look like but I think I'll know when I get there beautifully said as have been all your answers thank you so so much it's been amazing chatting with you and I know like your story and and your authenticity is going to help so many people so we really really appreciate it thank you so much thanks wow Liz what a beautiful story from Bella describing her journey in burnout and getting through to the other side personally I took a lot away especially the idea that you have to set really good boundaries what about you 
it, it really struck me when she talked about, um, you know, that birthday moment for her, that that was when she kind of realised how burnt out she was. I think I've definitely had similar experiences and a lot of people have when, you know, you've got this goal or something that you've worked really hard for and then you get there, but because you've worked so hard, you're exhausted and you can't enjoy it. And I think it was a really good reminder to all of us to just pause and, you know, enjoy the journey to achieving success, like whatever that looks like to you, because it, it takes up most of your life right so you've got to do that in a sustainable and healthy way thanks for listening to the lost button a podcast helping you figure out your future one episode at a time if our stories hit home for you today we'd love for you to leave us a review or share with a friend head to our website to get career advice from the lost button Sign up to our mailing list for more practical tips or check out Purposeful on Insta to be part of our community. We'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we're recording today, the Noongar people of Wajak country. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Thanks and have an epic day.